This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. It's Great Cup Sunday, Naz. Uh, always a big day in the sports calendar and... Uh, in Canada, so many, so many memories, so much history with the Grey Cup. Um, first of all, I'd like to apologize to our listeners for last Sunday morning. We had some technical difficulties; couldn't uh, couldn't get the phones working. Um, so we apologize to our listeners for that. But we're coming back bigger and better this week. We've got a power-packed show, and we're going to start it off right away. Let's get to it. We're pleased to welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour the legend himself. Marv Levy. Good morning, Marv. How are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing fine, thank you. I hope the same is true for you and all your listeners, and I know what an exciting day it is there and how excited I was way back there in the 1970s when uh, our Montreal Alouettes were in the Grey Cup games. Um, Marv, it's, it's always a pleasure uh, having you on our show. Um, it gives me a chance. Uh, I always take an opportunity to uh, check in a little bit about the guests before I start, and, I, and every time I, I, I get the opportunity to uh, look into your history. Uh, of course, you're infamous, uh, legendary for what they call your quotation marks, Marvin, uh, many of which have been an inspiration to me at various times uh, in my life, and uh, came across a new one, Marv. I got I to gotta ask you if this one is true, but this one this one is really good. Uh, uh, you were quoted as saying, if Michelangelo wanted to play it safe, he would have painted the floor of the Sistine Chapel. Mark, did you actually say that? I, I, I did say that, and uh, please, was my hearing a little difficult? Yeah. Ask the question again. I heard all the lead-up, but what was the question? I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you again, uh, uh, Marv. Uh, you were quoted as saying, if Michelangelo wanted to play it safe, he would have painted the floor of the Sistine Chapel. Was that yours? Yeah, that's what I said. I've, I, I, I remember saying that. Forget what I was commenting about. It was about taking a big chance on something, maybe going for it on the final down or something of that nature. But the, whoever quoted me it was accurate. I'm responsible. I'm guilty for having said it. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it was priceless, Barb. I will. Uh, I just came across that one last night for the first time. I, I guarantee you I'm going to be using it for a few years hence. As I'll turn it over to you. Marv, what was your most memorable Grey Cup? Oh, it had to be the one in 1977, the so-called Ice Bowl, where it was just uh, uh, bitter cold snowing. 68,000 people came to the game. Nevertheless, um, I, 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 when it was all over, I was frostbitten 
but we we won the game uh, with with an overwhelming score. And I remember the celebration there in the city of Montreal, where the game was played. And um, it will always remain a, a very fond memory for me. That game, uh, those wonderful players, I was privileged to coach. Great owner, Sam Berger and his family, and the terrific Montreal Alouettes fans. Uh, Marv, uh, great cups in the 1970, the golden, uh, I call it the golden years of the CFL. Uh, used to get uh, uh, quite, quite, uh, quite significant attendances for a regular season game in those days, and we're trying to recapture that glory. Great Cup Sunday is always a remarkable day in Canada, uh, even, even during the last few years where uh, we missed it last year. Um, but it's always been uh, a, a day that's more than just about football. We, we sort of celebrate uh, Canadian, Canadiana, and there's so many great stories of the Great Cup. And even those of us have uh, been trying to trying to watch the Eastern Final uh, last weekend, disappointed the Argos lost, uh, trying to get more interested in the CFL. Uh, but Great Cup Sunday has always always meant something to Canadians. Uh, when you were up here in the Indies, Marv, did you get a sense of how important the Grey Cup was to Canada beyond just being a football game? Yes, I certainly did. And uh, I shared that feeling. It was special when uh, uh, you prepared for the game and then to walk out onto the field against a very worthy opponent across the way. Uh, and uh, to, to know that how, how excited uh, the the people in Canada were about the game. Uh, I sure do remember it and remember it fondly. And I remember the, again, I'll say it, the wonderful players I was privileged to associate with and owner Sam Berger. Yes. Oh, I, feel, I think we may have lost Naz. Marv, do I still have you? Thank you. It's been a pleasure to visit with you. Thanks so much, Marv Liebley. We'll, uh, we'll take it to break and uh, we'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest! We'll never be the cheapest! We'll never be the snazziest dressed! What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best! At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? realspacemedia.ca Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. 
is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon. Joining you as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. A little technical glitch there just before. Naz, are you back on? I'm here, yeah. Okay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get Marv. Uh, unfortunately, we we cut off Marv Levy, a legend. That's how embarrassing. We'll try and get him back. Uh, we'll try and get him back later in the show. Uh, John Murphy, the voice of the Buffalo Bills. How are you this morning, John? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing uh, well. Not so good. We just cut off Marv Levy. That's not good for my uh, for my resume. There, we gotta get him back <laughs> on the air later on. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get him back on. Anyways, John, thanks so much for joining us you're the you're the voice of the buffalo bills it's a game day uh i'm sure you're really busy today so we really appreciate you taking the time for us john thank you so much john let's get into it buffalo bills uh at various times at the beginning of the season and during the season have been portrayed uh as a super bowl possible super bowl candidate possible super bowl winner I'm still, uh, we're all, uh, Naz and I do not pretend to be anything other than Buffalo Bills fans. John, please tell us how we keep the faith. Uh, not a couple of great results, but uh, it's one game at a time and a big one today. You're down in Tampa. Your, uh, your thoughts on the Bills uh, so far, a little bit inconsistent, but uh, going forward, what are your thoughts, John? Yeah, I mean, inconsistent really is the word, isn't it? And, uh, you know, you can see that right from... Uh... Well, from uh, October, mid-October now, two months, they'd lose one, win one, lose one, win one. And it's been that way for a couple of months now. I do think a couple of things maintain, and that's the Buffalo defense, which is strong, still remains strong. Um, they're just a great defensive team, one of the best in the league. And uh, they're very good. The number one, I think what makes one of the things that makes this uh, game today so interesting, it's the number one passing defense in the league, the Bills, against the number one passing offense in the league, Tampa Bay. So I think as long as that defense is there, uh, the Bills will be uh, will be set up well. They they have to produce. They have to score more points, obviously, and be more productive offensively. But with that defense uh, holding teams at bay, I think they're going to be okay down the stretch. Naz, Naz, we lost you again. Anyways, John, um, Bucks are five and zero at home. Uh, the uh, Bills are four and two on the road. Uh, size up today's game for us, uh, Tom Brady. Uh, living legend at the age of 44 doesn't seem to be slowing down. No. What do the Bills have to do to win this game? Yeah, it's, it's a good question because I do. I hold Tampa Bay in high regard. That even though I'm not a Brady fan, you have to admire what he's done through his career at age 44, and he's playing as well, honestly, as well right now as he maybe ever has. You know, and I think what impressed me watching a lot of Tampa games this week was how how mentally ready Brady is to play. I mean, he just thinks the game. He sees things and processes things quickly, makes quick decisions, and uh, he's got enough physical talent remaining in his 44-year-old body to make things happen once he sees what's happening, you know. And it's, a lot of it is hard work. He's taking care of his body. And, uh, he deals with nutrition and different uh, 
you know, conditioning issues. And, and I, I think he is a freak of nature, really, how well he's played and how, how mentally uh, prepared he is to play every week. So the Bills, if they're going to win, they're going to have to uh, keep that Tampa Bay offense in check. They're going to cover the great receivers that Tampa Bay has, Godwin and others, Rob Gronkowski. And the Bills go into it without their premier pass defender, uh, Tredavious White, which is going to be a problem, I think. But uh, they're going to have to play good defense, try to get some kind of a pass rush and disrupt Brady, if not sack him, at least disrupt him and hurry him along. And and most importantly, the Bills are going to have to be productive offensively, you know, produce touchdowns, uh, especially in the red zone. When they get down near the goal line, they can't settle for field goals, as they have been doing a lot this season. They have to produce touchdowns. So it's it's a tall order for Buffalo. I think they're this is as tough an opponent as they played all year, for sure. Sean, uh, Monday night's game was, uh, in some ways, uh, perhaps the uh, perhaps the adjective demoralizing might be a bit strong. Uh, it was a game, you know. I mean, let's let's be let's be frank. The weather conditions made this game incredibly unpredictable. Uh, so unpredictable. The New England Patriots won the game, and I believe they only rushed. Uh, sorry, they only passed three times in the entire game, which uh, is pretty close to, hasn't been done in a long time. An unpredictable game. It was a game that, at various times, it seemed the Bills had opportunities, but never took advantage of them. Um, um, your assessment of the game, I, I just thought it was a game the Bills could have won, uh, quite frankly, sure. and they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were in it right to the very end, right to the last uh, Buffalo possession down near the goal line. They just couldn't punch it in the end zone. That goes to the red zone issues I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. And, yeah, it was the, the weather you can't use as an excuse because they both played in it, but it, it made it kind of a, a less valid game, I think. You know, And the Patriots, give them credit, they took advantage of that and won the game. But to only attempt three passes, you know, basically New England played with one hand tied behind their back, right? They only attempted three passes and came up with a win, which is, is amazing in today's NFL. But they did it thanks to their defense and thanks to a strong running attack. And, uh, you know, the Bills, uh, they have to get it done better than that. Home around the road, they have to get it done better than they did the other day. They have to, I get, I think, be more productive, um, you know, offensively, in particular on the ground. They have to find a way to run the ball. And I think, quite frankly, they should run their quarterback more often, call runs for Josh Allen, who is a bona fide weapon in the Bills' offensive arsenal. And they've got to use that. I, I, I know you're exposing your quarterback, your franchise quarterback, to injury, but uh, if that's what you can do offensively, you got to do it. And I think the Bills need to kind of look at that and at least get, you know, five or six called runs per game for Josh Allen. He's that dangerous a weapon when he's got the ball in his hands. Uh, we're talking to the uh, play-by-play uh, voice of the Buffalo Bills, John Murphy. John, uh, big loss for the, you know, injuries at this time of year start make start catching up with teams. And the Bills are dealing with their own, uh, their own issues. Uh, the big one, Tredavious White. Uh, one of the top cornerbacks in the league. Uh, um, can the Bills cover up for that injury, uh, uh, John, and the other injuries that are trying, running through the lineup? How does that uh, how does that affect their, yeah, their, their team? That's a tough one. That's a tough one because I mean you could argue Tre'Davious White is one of the you know top two or maybe three players on the Buffalo roster. He's acknowledged as one of the top corners in the league uh, and uh, is is a legitimate shutdown corner. For instance, going into a game like today's. You could realistically, if Tredavious were here, you could say, all right, Tredavious, you take care of Godwin or, or uh, you take care of this guy and we don't worry about him the whole game. And you could just take a weapon out. You can't do that now, right? You can't do that with what they have. And, and 
there, there's, it's foolish to think that anybody can replace Tredavious White. I think you'll see the Bills uh, play more zone defense, and it wasn't really an issue last week because of the conditions and because of New England's offensive approach. It wasn't really an issue last week, pass defense, but this week it will be. And I think you can see the Bills play more zone and not expose their corners to the man-on-man coverage. And, and um, we'll see if they're successful. It would help to get a better pass rush than they've had. But uh, they will certainly miss Tredavious White. It would be foolish to think they would not. Uh, I'm talking to John Murphy. Naz, uh, you're back on. I know you want to you wanna, wanna have a few questions for John. Go ahead, Naz. Yeah, John, um, yeah. what's the weather like today in Tampa? Yeah, I'm looking out the window of the uh, JW Marriott <laughs> downtown, and it is 70 degrees and, and foggy, actually. And they say the fog's going to burn off. Uh, the forecast is for temperatures 75 to 80 degrees and a chance of rain today, but mostly uh, cloudy skies, not much uh, I don't think it'll be a downpour or anything. I think it should be a good, uh, a good weather conditions for football today, which would be yeah, good. John, I think of the weather. I think of the weather, and Buffalo is suited for cold weather, but they're not. They're suited for the hot weather. I don't think it's an advantage playing in Buffalo anymore with the team they have. It's a good point. I mean, I've thought about that and whether the Bills, as presently conscious as they are equipped to deal with situations like that. And look, last Monday night's weather was. I mean, that was a, I believe it's a one-off. We don't, as bad as the weather can be in Orchard Park, and I live in Orchard Park, so I know it pretty well. You don't get days like that with 50-mile-an-hour wind gusts, uh, you know, once every, you know, several years, if not, uh, you know, it just doesn't happen much. So uh, I, I see your point. I think, obviously, the Bills don't run the ball extremely well, which is probably what you're getting to. They're, they're not the most physical team. They're more of a finesse team, and let's face it, they're more of a, a passing offense, and that was, I think, the wind last Monday sort of uh, leveled the playing field and let uh, what I consider to be an inferior New England team, um, you know, play with the Bills and, and beat the Bills. I think the weather kind of uh, leveled things off and made it a much closer game than it probably should have been. John, uh, I look uh, look at the results of the Bills this year and what uh, this year when they win, they win big, but they're losing the close ones. Um, yeah. the games they're losing losing are all I think all less than eight points uh, difference, but they win when they win, uh, uh, except, of course, with the Indianapolis game, uh, which I call uh, an outlier. Uh, But when they win, they win big. But losing the close ones, is that concerning? Well, I mean, I saw that stat, too. I think they're 0-4 when the the games are decided by eight points or less. They haven't won one yet, 0-4. And then the fifth loss, obviously, is the Indianapolis game, which wasn't close. Yeah, it's concerning. I don't think I tried to think about that this week and whether it's indicative of a of a problem or something that the way the Bills play. And I don't think it is. I think it's more of a function of uh, their opponents. You know, they have feasted on some inferior opponents this year. They've really done a good job against some inferior opponents and beat them by a lot, a lopsided scores. And then when they're up against the decent teams, I guess we call them. You know, ex- excluding Jacksonville here, they they uh, play close ones and they can't get the job done. But no, I don't think it's indicative of something wrong with the Bills. I think it's more a function of, uh, you know, who um, who they're playing against and how those games go. Nas, the records in the NFL, especially in the AFC, are very. Uh, I think the four wins is the least amount of losses. Is the least amount of losses. What do you think of the uh, caliber of play this year? Um, it's okay, and and I look at things from a Buffalo perspective, and. Um, you know, I know there's, especially after Monday, there's a certain amount of gloom and doom associated with the Bills and maybe disappointment on the part of some fans. But, you know, look, they're right in it with their, their uh, record, 7-5. and five, And they're right in it. And, you know, um, they have a chance still with the 
you know, five games left to finish with 11 wins, let's say, and, uh, and maybe 12. I mean, today's an important game in that regard, and they'll be right in it. They have a chance still to win the division. Um, that presupposes that they would win at New England in a couple of weeks, which I don't think is that big a mountain to climb. I just think uh, they're in it, and uh, as disappointed as it's been recently, I think the Bills are very much in the hunt uh, for you know the AFC East Division title, and we'll see. They might even wind up as a top one or two seed in the AFC. Um, think teams are evenly balanced. They always are in the NFL, and it's, I think it's played out that way so far this year. Uh, talking to John Murphy. John, um, crit- uh, obviously the Bills have, uh, statistics-wise, uh, no question, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, in 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 so many different categories, um, Josh Allen is Josh Allen. Um, the running attack, the running game, seems to be one era, uh, one area of the Bills that uh, has come under criticism. I don't know if it's the right word, but concerning. And then there was also the uh, the quotes from the offensive coordinator uh, Brian Dable uh, about we've got to be more physical, and we've got to control. Uh, control the uh, the offensive line, uh, the running game. Um, is that uh, concerning in today's NFL? I mean, in the old days, you used to use the run to set up the pass. That doesn't seem necessarily to be the tactic of uh, a lot of NFL coaches. Do the Bills have to improve or reestablish, uh, for lack of a better term, the running game? Yeah, they would benefit from that. I don't know if it's realistic to think on December 12th that you're going to be able to reinvent yourself offensively and start to run it well immediately. And look, they are who they are. They're a team that's not extremely big or physical up front on the offensive line. They haven't been real healthy on the offensive line in the last couple of months. And at running back, they don't have a big bruising running back yet. They have a kind of a, a group of three guys, uh, Moss and Singletary and uh, Brita, and they kind of use them interchangeably now over the last month. As I said a few minutes ago, I think the one aspect of the running game that can be improved immediately is running Josh Allen more. And I'm not talking about 20 runs for Josh Allen. I'm talking about five or six called runs a game. They did that in the past. They can do that, and he can do that. And I think he can survive that workload added to it. I mean, look, he's the best player on the Buffalo offense, Josh Allen. He's one of the best weapons, him running the ball that they have. you got to use that. You know, they're not going to have a... Uh, a makeover or a big fix now. You know, there's no infusion of talent coming to the roster. There's no draft or trades now on down the stretch. So you got to use what you got, and they've got a running back who's a very difficult guy to defend when he's got the ball in his hands. And for me, if yes, they need to run the ball well, and I think the immediate solution right now is to run Josh Allen a couple more times a game. I'm talking to John. John, I know you got a busy today. It's a work day for you. I'll, I'll get let Naz uh, one last question, and then we'll let you get on with your day, Naz. The development of Dawson Knox been ter- tremendous What's your thoughts on Dawson Knox? Yeah, I mean, he's inconsistent, I, to be honest, and I love him. He's a great kid, but he had a rough game, I thought, against New England with a couple of penalties, a couple of drops, and he had drop issues uh, in his first year or two in the league and seemed to have those under control. Uh, and they need him to be a, a producer. They need him to do better than that, and uh, I think he will. I mean, he does need to be getting better, but uh, inconsistently is a bit of a trouble spot for Dawson Knox. Uh, I think he's a willing worker and a, and a good guy and a good teammate, but uh, he needs to hang on to the ball when he gets a chance, and he, he, he can't afford, none of them can really, to take uh, penalties at the wrong time, and he took a couple of bad ones against the Wicked. 
Anyways, we've been talking to John. John, uh, just so you know, we managed to get Marv Levy back, so we're going to go we're gonna finish with you. We're going to go wrap it up with Marv Great. as well. Uh, we're going to make yeah, up for that. Said, make sure you tell Marv I said hello. We absolutely will. Uh, uh, we absolutely will. John, I know this is a work day for you. You've made time for us. Uh, I can't express how much we appreciate that. And all we'll leave it at this, John. Thanks, and go Bills. Let's get it done. Okay. Thanks so much, John Thanks, Murphy. Good to talk to you. Thanks. John Murphy, and uh, we've been talking some bus- Buffalo Bills football. We're pleased to have back on with us uh, the legend himself, Marv Levy. Marv, do we have you back? Yes, I'm back on. And <laughs> listen, I want to I want to apologize for football Sunday. Okay, yeah, I want to apologize for earlier. Uh, we uh, had a little technical glitch. Uh, it's live radio. Neither I or Naz are in studio, and sometimes these things happen. We're a bit embarrassed it happened when we were talking to Marv Levy, of all people. But thanks so much for 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 coming back to us, Marv. Uh, we were we want to get want to get on talk some Buffalo Bills uh, football. Um, uh, just finish up on the Grey Cup. We were just talking about it right at the uh, right at the end. Uh, Grey Cup Sunday is obviously something special in Canada. Uh, when you were up here in the seventies, did you? Uh, when uh, when you uh, when you were coach of the Montreal Alouettes, went to uh, three uh, three Grey Cups, won two of them. Did you uh, get a sense of how important the Grey Cup was to uh, to Canada, not so much to Canadian football fans? I certainly did. I, I certainly did. It was uh, somehow somehow it was underwritten with a, a certain patriotic feeling as well. Uh, I, I was so proud to be able to say that we played in three of those games and and that we did win two of them. And it was my final game in Canada was a, a Grey Cup victory, uh, the the Ice Bowl game um, in 1977. A few years ago, um, we had a 50th reunion of that team and uh, back in Montreal. It sure was a delight. Nez? Marv, what did it mean to be named to the CFL Hall of Fame this past summer? Uh, I'm overwhelmed uh, that that it would happen. Uh, The new Buffalo Bills owner, Mario Cicini, uh, I think was very instrumental in in bringing that to fruition. Um, I'm grateful to him. I'm grateful to the CFL and to... And so thankful for my days in Canada. They always will remain fond in my memories. Yeah, we were certainly uh, certainly thrilled, Marv, to see you uh, finally, finally in the CFL Hall of Fame. Uh, you're in the 2021 class, and interestingly, there are only two coaches in football history that are in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. You are one of them, and the other one was, of course, Bud Grant, who coached with the Winnipeg uh, Blue Bombers and the Minnesota Vikings. So, yes, uh, Naz just congratulated you. I want to take the opportunity to congratulate you. Certainly, certainly a well, well-deserved honor, and congratulations on that. Marv, I want to change topics a little bit. We just had John Murphy on the show, the voice of the voice of the Buffalo Bills, who wishes oh, yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he gave, uh, he wanted us to pass on his regards to you. He knew that we were going to be talking to you, so he says hello, and uh, we're talking Buffalo Bills football. Uh, uh, Marv, uh, Bills have had sort of an inconsistent season, a loss last Monday night um, that sort of hit B- Buffalo Bills fans pretty hard because it was a rivalry game, an important game, 
a game that was meaningful. Uh, weather conditions turned the game somewhat upside down. Um, a, bill, a game the Bills very much could have won. A uh, little bit demoralizing for Buffalo Bills fans, but Marv, uh, you always look at the positive side of things. Uh, for Buffalo Bills fans, uh, tell us why, uh, why we're going to overcome that loss. Well, the thing is, I, I don't think anyone is ever going to win them all. I know there was one undefeated football season in the NFL back in 1972, and I sure remember that one because of the high regard I have for Don Shula and because I was the special teams coach on the Washington Redskins who played them in the Super Bowl game, and uh, that's when they sealed that undefeated um, season. But um, the Bills are fighting hard to come back. You don't win them all. Um, you celebrate or mourn for just a short while. Then go back to work. Make that your style. That was a finishing lines of a poem I once wrote about playing in the NFL. And that's what they have to do. Yes, it was a disappointing loss. They were down near the goal line at the end of the game and couldn't put it in. Right. Ness? Marv, how important was running in that in those years with Buffalo? They had Thurman. You had Thurman Thomas, a great running back. How important is a running game? Yeah, but it's vitally important. I don't think uh, it's vitally important. Uh, a good running game is what really helps you have a better passing game. Uh, they 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 load up the line of scrimmage a little more often. Uh, they do things of that nature. So uh, it's balanced. There are so many things of balance in 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 the game. Uh, this is one of them. Also, I think one of the most underrated elements is the importance of a hardcore special teams players. How important they are to the outcome of the game because there are three equally important departments of play. Offense, defense, and kicking. And for that reason, Steve Tasker, who is with us, the greatest special team player of all time without a doubt, should be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm campaigning for that, and I certainly hope it happens. He wasn't only a great player, a great citizen, family man, everything about him is uh, full of merit. Uh, certainly, we couldn't agree with you more, Marv. Um, Josh Allen, one of the bright, bright, great young quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, talented in so many ways, an arm. Um, I, 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 I see a lot of Jim Kelly in him in a lot of different ways. Marv, do, do you see resemblances there to, to, uh, to Jim Kelly? Well, I think everyone is individually themselves, but sure, they try to pattern themselves to even see what other guys are like. I understand Jim has given him some input. Jim still lives there in the Buffalo area. Um, I haven't studied Josh to that degree, but we're seeing some some Buffalo Bills quarterbacks doing some great things. Uh, Jim Kelly did, is in the Hall of Fame. Frank Reich, his backup, has gone on to become an outstanding coach with the Colts. Going back way farther, Jack Kemp became a congressman, a longtime congressman, quarterback with the Bills. Um, so uh, I'm impressed with Josh, certainly so. Impressed with Josh Allen. Yes. Mark, your thoughts on Bill Belichick as a coach? In the NFL. What, say that again, please. 
My thoughts on him? On, on Bill, Bill Belichick. He's had great success. I don't know him very well at all. Um, so, um, you know, he doesn't have a glowing personality. That's obvious. <laughs> and uh, he's had great success. And uh, <laughs> I don't know all the details. They haven't looked into it a lot. But it's certainly obvious the success he's had. Anyways, we've been talking to Marv uh, Levy. Marv, uh, we've got to let you go. Uh, you're, uh, we want to wish you best. Our listeners uh, may not realize this, but you're 96 years young. It's phenomenal. Marv, how do you do it? Uh, not bad. I don't feel like I did when I was 20, but um, I still you know, am interested in things and get around not nearly as well as I used to. And uh, still trying to study variety of things, keeping my eye on football. Often, uh, I appreciate any visits I have back to Buffalo or to Montreal. Or uh, so, thank you for inquiring, and uh, uh, always great to talk with you and find this way to communicate with those great fans there in Canada. You, you certainly, we still love you, Marv. Uh, we have incredibly great memories of all your accomplishments in so many uh, different places, the Montreal Alouettes, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I want to leave uh, listeners off with a couple of your couple of your Marvisms. Uh, uh, I'll just finish with uh, one uh, that is appropriate given the topic we just discussed. The age factor means nothing to me. I'm old enough to know my limitations and I'm young enough to exceed them. That That's pretty remarkable words to live by. And my personal favorite, Marv, I've used this quite a few times. Actually, used it in a in a speech I was given to when I was coaching minor hockey, and we were in a championship game. And this is my favorite one uh, of yours. And I can say that uh, wholeheartedly. It applies to Naz and I this morning. We have an opportunity to talk to Marv Levy on a Sunday morning, and I woke up this morning and I said to myself. Where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Marv, there's no place I'd rather be than on a Sunday morning chatting with you about so many great memories and so many uh, so many positive things. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for making the time for us. We wish you all the best, continued good health, and I look forward to the next time we can chat with you. Thanks so much, Marv. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure for me, and uh, I'm blushing from your kind remarks, but uh, I'll get over it. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Marv Levy. Naz, uh, I want to take the opportunity. Always a pleasure to talk to Marv. Um, brings back so many. Such a positive man. Um, so many great things he said. So many great teams he's coached. And he's, he's, uh, When I think of Marv Levy, I, there's two words that come to mind. Class and grace. Naz, before we go to break. Absolutely. You couldn't have said it any better, Wally. Anyways, on that note, uh, once again, apologize to our listeners. We had a couple of technical glitches. We're overcoming them. Uh, when you do live radio and you do it remotely, you never know what you're going to get. But uh, Naz and I are still working hard. We'll go to break, and we'll be right back with the voice of TSN's uh, first up in the morning, Carlo Koliakovo. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when we realised that our extra-large pizza is two whole inches longer than the so-called extra-large from the big pizza conglomerates. How do they even call theirs extra-large when Pizzaville gives you 18 whopping inches, steaming hot? Because, let's be honest, who wouldn't want two more inches? 
Pizzaville Stone Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. Here's to every boy who thought his Bobby Orr rookie card sounded great in the spokes of his bicycle. Is only served to make yours in mint condition more valuable. And now it's payday. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise wants to buy your vintage collection of hockey, baseball, basketball, football, and soccer heroes. Now's the time to cash in while the hobby reaches new heights. If you got them, we need them. Mint Ink Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise. Visit our store online at mintink.ca. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. You won't remember that Real Space Media was once Real Tours Media. What you'll never forget is how they helped you, the real estate agent, sell homes. Or you, the business owner, show off your four walls. Real Space Media has made a name for itself, creating virtual tours and walkthrough floor plans using 3D technology that's light years ahead. In the age of COVID, what better way to see a space safely than through the digital lens of, what were they called again? Realspacemedia.ca. Got a space to showcase? Check out Real Space. Last minute of play in the game. Unlike sports, the outcome of palliative care isn't determined in the dying seconds. Physically, socially, and spiritually, palliative care is giving someone the best quality of life for however long life remains, while supporting their loved ones. All services are free of charge with partial government funding. The need for palliative care is great. Making an impact is the newly opened Hospice Vaughn Mario and Nick Cortellucci Hospice Palliative Care Center of Excellence. A truly amazing 10-bed residence, the first palliative care hub in Vaughn. If you share the belief that everyone deserves to live until they die, get involved. Volunteer your time or donate to hospicevaughn.com. We are for community, by community. And together, we are here to serve. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. What a morning. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're live on uh, AM 740, 96.7 FM. And also live streaming, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome to the Nazimwali Sports Hour, Carlo Koliakabo. Carlo, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Sunday. Uh, happy Sunday. It's been an interesting Sunday so far. We just got an opportunity to talk to uh, Marv Levy, so I'm still on a oh, high. Oh, lovely. What a guest. Yeah, nice. we, uh, 96 years young, Carlo. you got to get him on your show. He's, oh, God uh, bless he's him. a remarkable, remarkable man. Uh, oh. Still going strong. And uh, it's been sort of a Buffalo Bills mafia session on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this morning with Marv and with John Murphy. And I know... Carlo, you're a big Bills fan, uh, as Naz and I. Bills Mafia, a little bit, a uh, little bit in the dumps this week, Carlo. Yeah. Uh, uh, a game against the Patriots, which was a huge game, uh, and we didn't get it done. How we, uh, how we feeling going into the Bucks game this afternoon? Well, it's, you're right. It's been a rough week to digest uh, what was on Monday night. 
Um, it's hard to imagine that a team set up an offensive game plan to throw the to attempt to throw the ball three times and still won. And uh, look, as a Bills fan, you're frustrated. Um, you're 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 disappointed because you know you came in with high expectations this year. You, you believe in the group because they are a really good team. They boast the league's number one defense. They have a really high powered offense, but. They just haven't been able to put it all together um, consistently. And, I mean, as bad as Monday night's game was to watch because of the game plan that the Patriots put on and obviously the weather conditions, the Bills still put themselves in a good position to win that game four times into the red zone and uh, couldn't execute. And that's uh, something that has been, a, you know, one of their strengths throughout the last two years, but clearly one of the areas of trouble the last couple of weeks because they just haven't been able to uh, finish those plays in, in, into the end zone. And I'm not going to lie to you, I'm concerned about this this matchup today. Um, obviously, it's a good matchup. I feel like the Bills play better against better teams. Uh, there's not going to be any weather conditions. Uh, the Bucks are banged up on, in their secondary two on defense, but. Um, you know, the Bills, uh, with Tredavious White being out, that's, that's a huge hole to fill. And they got no running game, which has been a, you know, an issue of concern all year. So, um, hopefully being underdogs in this game inspires them and, and, uh, the sour taste in their mouth after Monday's loss, uh, will find, give them an edge or, you know, what they need to pull out a victory. But, uh, I don't feel too good about it, to be honest with you. That's, what do you think of their, um, red zone play this year? Not very good. No, I, I'm not very good at all. I mean, I have Josh Allen as my quarterback in fantasy, so I would know firsthand whether it's been good or not. Uh, look, I, I think we're as as football has evolved over the last couple of years, you're seeing offenses rely mostly on the play of the quarterback, and you're seeing all these uh, you know big plays and uh, long yardage plays and hell mary plays and. It's the quarterback that are making these plays either in the pocket or scrambling outside the pocket. Well, if you look at the best teams in the league this year, record-wise, uh, it's mostly been they've mostly been as good as they are because of their run game. And it's crazy to think that we're in, almost in 2022 and you know, our run game is still relevant. But clearly, um, it has uh, an impact in the result in the NFL this year. And the Bills' run game has been atrocious all year and you know when I mean just look at the Kansas City Chiefs they're they're a good example too with Patrick Holmes back there the defenses know how to play these these throwing quarterbacks now they just sit more guys back um, into the zone and and force you to run the ball and you can't it makes life difficult for you so um, I, I think they still have to find a way to trust the run even if it's not with the running backs use Josh Allen because that's one of his skill sets is he's capable of running the ball and making plays by himself and I think he had like 10 or 12 rushing touchdowns last year, so he's capable of doing it. But, uh, you know, every week it's just been a new challenge for this team. And, um, you know, hopefully through this type of adversity now, knowing they lost to their biggest rivals in the Patriots, will help, you know, create a significant change in them because they've got to start capitalizing more on the red zone, especially with, you know, the games that mean so much more down the stretch. Uh, we're talking to Carlo Koliakobo. Uh Carlo, you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, okay. Um it's 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 live radio. We've had a few technical glitches. I gotta I gotta good. check in All every good. now and then, make sure yeah. everybody's still. Yeah, heavy winds yesterday. I remember last week you guys had some problems. So. <laughs> and our and our apologies for that. But we're we're, no we're over it. We're getting we're getting back on our roll. We're getting our rhythm back, Carl. Love it. Love uh, it. Uh, 
First of all, uh, congrats. Uh, I noticed you on the TSN panel uh, anchoring the left side on the game the other night. Congrats <laughs> on, on that. Thank We'd you. love to Thank see you. you next to, I'm, I'm sure being next to the old dog must have its challenges. Trying to get a couple uh, of words challenges in and obviously um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, he's yeah, one I'm of the sure best in the biz and he's a good friend yeah. of mine and I, uh, I I take advantage of every one of those opportunities that come about, and this Thursday was another one, and I had a lot of fun doing it. Oh, I hope I hope to see you on there more often. It's a great Me panel. Too. I love I love listening to you guys. Uh, it's uh, you guys are a lot of fun. You're obviously enjoying, and you're insightful, and with Poulin and uh, uh, the rest of them, um, love listening to you guys. Of course, you're the co-host on TSN's uh, first up in the morning. Our listeners, if you get up in the morning, you want to listen to some sports talk radio. Uh, tune in TSN, uh, whatever market you might be in, because uh, Carlo's always always fun and insightful to listen to. Carlo, Thank we're going to change tax a little bit. Uh, we're going to put the Buffalo Bills in our rearview mirror till later on this afternoon, <laughs> and uh, we're going to we're going to turn it over to the blue and white now. Uh, yeah, uh, we got a lucky bounce last night. If uh, to our listeners, if you weren't able to watch the show, uh, watch the game last night, and you uh, don't know what happened, Leafs, uh, Leafs. Uh, we used to use a word in the old days, I guess. They fluked it out in the last yeah. last minute or so with that crazy bounce. Um, the big game this week was against Tampa because uh-huh. I look at the standings and the early returns suggest that the Leafs, Tampa, and Florida are going to be fighting it out, although never count the Bruins out and yeah. never count anybody else out. But the Leafs have been playing well, but there are some concerning things to their game. Um the defense, specifically yeah. Muzzin and Justin Hole. Uh, um, your observations, Carlo? Well, I mean, look, I don't think anybody who watches the Leafs would be a fool not to see that they're clearly struggling defensively. And two guys that have clearly stood out uh, with those struggles over the last couple of games have been Muzzin and Hall. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the, you talked about the luck they received. Um, in yesterday's game with that lucky bounce. Good good teams in the league find ways to create their own luck and find ways to generate some good bounces. And let's be honest, the Maple Leafs have been a good team for the most part of this year. So uh, it was, you're going to find instances. I mean, it's still a long season. They'll probably be on the, the other end of one of those bounces later on in the year. But right now, you take it when you can get it. But, you know, what's concerning for this Maple Leafs team right now is they were getting elite, elite, elite goaltending for the start of the season. And I think that helped cover up some of the warts they might have been uh, facing with their defensive deficiencies. And now, when they're not getting that elite goaltending right now, it's still good goaltending, but it hasn't been, you know, as as good as it, as you know over the first quarter of the season. Um, they start to get exposed, and you add injuries to that. Um, you know, the schedule where the coach is saying that he's starting to sense some fatigue settling. And this is a normal thing that happens throughout a season. Um, you start to see, you know, some of the deficiencies in this group get exposed, which is, you know, the defensive, uh, the way they play defense, the, the group of six they have on defense. And I think what you can attribute a lot of their goals against over the last couple games being scored is, Remember before they went to uh, their California road trip, everybody was talking about, oh, this team, they've got the highest, um, you know, uh, what's the ratio of of trading chances, but the puck's not going in. It's going to change. It's going to change. It's going to change. And it did on that California road trip. And I think what happens in hockey is 
when you're so used to winning playing defensive games, which is what the Maple Leafs are doing early on the year, they're winning a lot of close games, 2-1, 3-2, 2-0, you name it. Now when you start to get your mojo back offensively, it's a te- you, you create this tendency of playing a little bit more loose. And I think that's what we're seeing in this Maple Leafs team is that they're having fun scoring goals. They're having fun creating offense. And sometimes when you when you change your focus primarily on that, you lose track of some of the good things you were doing defensively. And yes, goaltending plays a play factor in that. And, and right now they're not getting you know, good goaltending or good defensive play. And you can see Sheldon Keefe is, is identifying that. He's trying to get the group to refocus. But I think at the, you know, when, you're, when you're trying to point out the positives, they're still finding ways to win. They're still finding ways to get points. And early on in the season, it's always great to bank those because you still don't know what you're going to encounter for the rest of the season. So, um, you know, some of the deficiencies that they're facing, yeah, it could be personnel, could be schedule. But, you know, I think it's something that can be fixed, should be fixed. And until they start, until they don't, until they stop producing points, I don't really think it should be, you know, too much to sort of uh, beat a drum on. Take the points when you can get them, especially when you're when you're going through a little bit of adversity, and, and try to get better with each game. I think that has to be their focus. As looking at the trade deadline, look at an crystal ball. Look at Mark Giordano. You think the Leafs? He, he's the fit for the Leafs, Carlo. I think he'd be an amazing fit for the Leafs, but uh, you forget that there's something called the salary cap that is going to no, probably about the trade deadline where you don't have to pay the salary down. Yeah, no, hey, look, I mean, we saw the team get creative last year with some of the moves they made where, you know, maybe at that point there's guys on LTIR or, or you, you try to, you know, move a third team in that can, you know, absorb some of the cap hit, whatever it may be. Um, I think, you know, I said it early on in the season, and this isn't a knock on Timothy Lilligren because I, I, I do believe that he's – has played a lot better since the start of the season. And that, you know, that shows with just the coach having more confidence in playing more games, getting used to the style of play. But I said, if Timothy Lilligren was going to be the seventh defenseman on this team this year, then the Maple Leafs were going to be in real trouble. Because all I, what I meant by that is that they don't have enough depth on defense. And, you know, people want to, people want to highlight Mike Babcock. And when he said, you always need eight or nine defensemen, I've been saying it since I entered the media that teams that win the Stanley Cup or go on long playoff drives always have eight or nine NHL-caliber defensemen on their team because to think you're going to go through a run and not experience any injuries, well, you're a fool to think that because it's a grind. And every team goes through it. Tampa the last two years has done it. Um, and right now we're seeing the depth of this team be exposed a little bit. Um, Justin Hall not playing you know, the way he's, you know, come to uh, show us he can play. You've seen some of the struggles with Jake Muzzin, uh, getting older and getting slower. Um, the bottom pair guys with, uh, you know, Lilligren and, and Rubens right now. I mean, look, those guys are capable of filling in right now, but are those guys you can trust when the, when, when the games matter the most? There's still a long season to go, but if there's an area of need, I, I would expect the, Blue Jay, or the, the Maple Leafs to address. It's going to be their defense come, come trade deadline. We're talking to Carlo Koliakabo. Carlo, Jason Spezza, uh, not known for uh, for uh, the, the rough hijinks in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he had a little bit of, uh, lost a little bit of control in that game. And guess I did something he probably regrets. Uh, or 
Uh, well, maybe he doesn't regret it. Who knows? Yeah, well, he uh, definitely does regret it. Um, six, with, but, six game, with six games, uh, I thought six. I thought he deserved some suspension, given yeah. his other uh, otherwise completely clean career, as far as I'm concerned, and the leader that he is. And the uh, I thought six games was a little bit much. Well, if they're going to give Jason Spezza a guy with no history and then has played 1,200 games in at least six games, what are they going to give the referees for letting that game get out of hand? Exactly. Um, because you know, as much as as much as you want to put the onus on the department Department of Player Safety to you know um, evaluate these situations down with penalties, I think there has to be more of a conversation made in the league about the referees acting more on behalf of the Department of Player Safety and have better control in the game. Because I think if the referees would have done their job and called what needed to be called, nothing escalates to the point that it did, and. It didn't, and obviously Jason Spezza decided to take matters into his own hand. Look, did, did I think he was going to get suspended? Yes. Did I think that he was going to get anywhere close to six games? No. I thought maybe two, three, stretching to even four. But I don't know why the league is trying to use a guy like Jason Spezza, who is the classiest guy in the NHL. Um, you, you talked about you know zero history and the way – you know, he respects and approaches the game. Why they decided to make an example out of him to suspend him six games. I, I don't agree with it. Um, I don't know how a guy like Brendan Lemieux, who clearly, you know, crossed the line and started biting people, um, gets five games and Jason Spezza gets six games. So, I mean, I, I really do question the, the thinking process behind it. Um, you know, why it took so long and why they decided to come up with what they did. I was even surprised in the beginning when they said in-person hearing, because in-person hearing allowed them to at least go five games. And I thought even that was, um, you know, uh, sort of outrageous. But it is what it is. Um, you know, I know the league, they're the Players Association filed an appeal, and rightfully so. Hopefully they can find a way to get this right. But regardless if they get this one right, I think the players, the, the Department of Player Safety, the NHL and the referees have to do a better job just policing the game within the game because if you're not, then you know you got to allow the players to police it. And I'm not saying you go out and target people's head and 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 you know try to you know make or injure guys that are vulnerable. But you know there was fights in that game too that the referees didn't let the guys get at either. And you know if that's the if that's what they're going to create by not the non calls they make, you know let them have at it. Uh, we've been talking to Carlo Koligakovo. Uh, please listen in to Carlo every morning for your sports <laughs> fanatic like Naz and I are. Uh, uh, some of the best stuff going on on sports radio every morning on TSN, Thank you. Uh, Thank by you. all means. And, Carlo, we hope we see you on that panel anchoring the left side. Yeah, well, I'll be as, there as often as possible. Night, so enjoy the show. <laughs> well, we certainly will. We'll keep uh, love listening to you, and we uh, appreciate so much the time you take with us. Thanks for sharing your passion and your insights with us. Always a pleasure, boys. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Enjoy your day. Go Bills. Go Bills. Pleasure's all ours. Naz, we are almost out of time. Uh, last week, we didn't give you the chance for the last word. Uh, as usual, well, uh, you're, our, you're our closer, Naz, so... Uh, Last word before we sign off. Blue Bombers by four today in Hamilton. Uh, that is a pretty, pretty, uh, uh, pretty great, uh, great, uh, great prediction. Uh, I, uh, I echo that exactly. Well, thanks so much, Naz. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. Thanks so much for listening in.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.